you for taking the time to listen to this sermon from Seekers Christian Fellowship. We believe that God's Word completes the believer, making them fully equipped men and women of God, ready for every good work. It is our prayer that through this message, you're challenged by the Word of God, built up in love for God and one another, conforming to the image of Jesus Christ. church. Such a joy to be here and I really thank the worship team this morning for preparing our hearts and our minds to enter into the text. It's a wonderful, wonderful thing. You guys did a great job and it's such a, such a joy just to declare our faith, isn't it? In such a powerful way. Praise God for that. You know, as you know that we have set aside the month of January to talk about the doctrine of the church and we have been going through that over the last uh, Uh, three Sundays, and uh, first Sunday we looked at the different models of church, and then we looked at the ordinances of the church, and we specifically looked at the Last Supper last Sunday. And today we are going to look at the membership of the local church. Membership of the local church. Again, uh, we need to take a systematic approach to this vital subject. So I was just debating and, 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 uh, and pondering over this and I'm thinking, how do I approach this? I think the best way to do that is to ask a series of questions and see how I can answer those questions. That's the best way to do it. So there are five questions I like to ask and approach this. And take down your own notes because this will be helpful for you. And if you, if you don't, then of course you can go back and listen to this. The first question I want to ask is, is this a biblical concept? Is church membership a biblical concept? Second question I like, to, I like to see is that, is this actually necessary? Why should I join a local church? That's the second question I like to see. And the third one I like to see is that, what are the responsibilities of a member of a local church? What is that? What does that entail? And the fourth question I like to answer is that, why can't anyone and everyone be admitted to a membership. Why can't I become a member of a church if I'm a Christian? And the last question is that whom should the church accept into membership? What are the entry requirements to become a member of a church? So it's going to be a series of questions I'm asking and trying to find an answer to that. So there are various texts that we are going to look at as we go through that. So it's important that you, that you pay close attention to this. So the first question is, is church membership a biblical concept? How many of you have wondered about this? Is it a biblical concept? So we really need to go into the scriptures to see this. So come with me as we explore together. I Again, take down your own notes. We learned over the last two Sundays that the local church is a gathering of those who believe in Jesus Christ as the Lord and Savior, who are committed to meet regularly for what? For worship, for teaching, for fellowship and prayer, and to help make disciples of all people. The key word here, church, in the definition is the word commitment. Everybody say commitment. Commitment is the key word. The picture of a Christian being committed to a local gathering of believers in Christ is a New Testament concept. This commitment is the key idea in church membership. Paul paints a very beautiful picture about the church, and look at this passage here. He writes to the saints in Ephesus, and this is what he says. From whom, from Christ, that's what he means, the whole body joined and knit together by what every joint supplies, according to the effective working by which every part does it shares. And what happens then? It causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. So the metaphor that Paul uses for church is the body. Just as there isn't any useless part in our bodies, even the appendix that we have serves a purpose. So is the body of Christ. So every member has an important function and is to work for the overall growth, health, and strength of the body. Then you ask the question, so if so, pastor, how come 
we don't find church membership mentioned specifically in the New Testament? It's a good question, isn't it? How come we don't see that? Now, my answer is that the membership is implied all through the New Testament, but it didn't need to be formalized then because there was only one church per city. Now, if you were a Christian, you didn't have options as to where to go. If you lived in Ephesus, you go to the church in Ephesus. If you live in Philippi, you go to the church in Philippi. But today, in Mississauga alone, there are dozens of evangelical churches in our cities. And to float between several churches is to lack the key ingredient I mentioned at the very beginning, commitment. Commitment to a particular group of elders who will give account for your soul. That's biblical. That's how a church is structured. Look at this passage in the Hebrew writer says this, Obey those who rule over you. Who is this you? The pastors and the elders. And be submissive for they, the pastors and the elders, watch out for your souls as those who must give account. Let them, the pastors and the elders, do so with joy and not grief, for that would be unprofitable for you. So however, there are some, we call themselves, they call themselves Christians at large. Have you heard the term? They belong to the large evangelical ministry. They don't belong to a particular church. It means that they are not accountable to anyone. That's what it simply means. So, but as you read through the New Testament, you will see that the local church knew exactly who their members were. So let's quickly look at some examples. I'm just going to quickly go through some examples. Jesus himself, in Matthew 18, he explaining the process of church discipline. Look at this passage here. And if he refuses to hear them, tell it to what? To the church. But if he, I'm sorry, I should bring it up, then only you can see it. If he refuses to hear them, to, to hear the church, let him, be, let him be to you like a heathen, meaning a Gentile and a tax collector. So it's obvious that the person trying to confront a sinning believer knew who the people in the church were. Otherwise, how can you do that? In a similar context, uh, the church, uh, about church discipline, Paul commanded the Corinthians church to do this. Then you look at if, uh, 1, Cor 1, Cor sorry, 1 Corinthians 5.12. What business is it of mine to judge those outside the church? Are you not to judge those inside, inside the church? Last week we looked at what the Apostle John said about those who went out from us. You remember that? Paul, John writes this way. They went out from us, but they were not really of us. Now, just bear with me. They were not really of us. And then he says, they would have remained with us, but they went out so that it would be shown that they, are, they all are not of us. You know, in this, who was the us Apostle John is referring to? The members of the church. That's what he's referring to here. In the context of giving instructions about the Lord's Supper, we studied that last Sunday, Paul writes to the church in, in, in Corinth, and he says, he says this, For first of all, when you come together as a church, I hear that there are divisions among you. So this statement implies what? That there was a defined group that came together as a church, although at the same time there were ungodly divisions among them. Look at another passage, Paul and Barnabas in Acts chapter 11, verse 26. They assembled with the church and taught a great many people. Again, another example, we see this, what Herod did, Acts 12, verse 1. Stretch out his hand to harass some from where? The church. And Acts 12, 5, another example. We see that after Herod arrested Peter with the intent of executing him, but constant prayer was offered to God for him by whom? The church. Another example, Paul and Barnabas. They say appointed elders in every church 
which they had founded on their first missionary journey. I've given the references here for you. These elders were responsible to give oversight to their particular churches. We looked at that earlier. So obviously they knew who their members were. There are many more examples we can take from the New Testament about the church. And there's one more example I want to show you. Peter implies a particular defined group of people when he tells the elders, look at this. He says, be shepherds of God's flock that is under your care, watching over them. So what does that mean or imply? So to fulfill the responsibilities of both elders and members, it requires a well-defined group of committed believers coming together. That's what it means. So who are defined as members of each local church. So what do we take from all these examples that we just saw, church? Church membership is indeed a biblical concept. That's what we have seen from this. It is a biblical concept. They meet regularly, as I, as I said earlier, for teaching, for worship, for fellowship, and for prayer. They are formally committed to the Lord and to one another to help further God's cause. So the first question I ask, is church membership a biblical concept? The answer is yes. And this, that leads me to the second question, why should you join a local church? Why should you join a local church? So another way of asking is that, is a church membership necessary? Is it necessary? So if the church is the central of God's purpose, to God's purpose, as seen both in history and the gospel, it must surely also be central to our lives. Now how can we take lightly what God takes so seriously? How can what God has placed at the center of our lives, how dare we try to push it to the circumference? The centrality of the church to God's purpose should be reason enough for you to be committed to a local church. But let me give you some quickly, very five specific reasons why you should join a local church. Number one, now you should join a local church because... Christ loves the church and gave himself for her. Please hear me out. If you love Christ, you must love his church and commit yourself to her well-being. Why do I say that? We see that in Ephesians chapter 5, Paul commands, Husbands, look at this passage, Husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself up for her. He does not stop there. He, he goes on to say something else, and he says why Christ did that. Look at the latter part of it. That he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word, that he might present her to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy and without blemish. So as we read this church, Christ's aim in these verses that we are seeing is to sanctify the church so that he might present her to himself in all her glory as beautiful as she possibly can be. And then Apostle Paul goes on to say in verse 28, he says this, So husbands ought to love their own wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. So in other words, he's saying that husbands must tenderly to nourish and cherish their wives just as Christ also does the church. Now, throughout this passage, we would think that Paul was talking about Christian marriage. While that principle is true, and you have heard many preachers taking this passage and preaching on, at, at a wedding ceremony, but Paul adds something surprisingly at the end of this statement. Look at this verse. 5.32, and he says, this is a great what? Mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. We've spoken about husbands and wife and the relationships. Paul concludes by saying that I am talking about a mystery here. Paul is saying that Christian marriage, hear me out, is designed to be an earthly picture 
is only an earthly picture of the relationship between the divine bridegroom and his bride, who is the bride? The church. That's what it is. So this is what we see uh, when Apostle John looked at it through the prophetic uh, lenses. He writes in Revelation 19, he writes, Let us be glad, this is about the future, let us be glad and rejoice and give him glory, for the marriage of the Lamb has come, and his wife has made herself ready. What a picture that is. So if Christ loved his church enough to die for her, that every believer who loves Christ should love his church and be committed to her well-being. So the first reason why you should join the local church is because Christ loves the church and gave himself for her. The second reason that you do, bring it up, you should join a local church because the church is where you learn practically to love God and to love others. There are two commandments that the Lord said, which governs all the other commandments. What are they? To love God and to love others. It's in a church that you learn this. If the metaphor of marriage represents Christ, come with me please, there can't be a Christian at large. Because you cannot be married at large. You know, I love all my sisters in the church today, and everyone who comes here, but there is only one to whom I'm committed as my wife. I'm not suggesting that we are to marry a local church with the same lifelong commitment that we, that we do in a marriage, but we do need a strong enough commitment to help us work through personal conflicts and difficulties so that we all grow in love for one another Commitment is the glue that holds relationships together and enables you to grow in love when there are conflicts. And there will be many in a church. How many of you here can say that there are no conflicts in a church? There are conflicts in every church. Otherwise, it's not a church. That is why we are living, to, living together outside a committed marriage relationship is bound to fail. Why? Because there's no commitment. There's no commitment. If you casually date the church, or even if you move in and live together with the church for a while without commitment to membership, you will bail out as soon as you encounter difficulties. Oh, this is no good. I don't like the tie the pastor is wearing, I'm going to leave. I don't like the way these people are having fellowship and drinking all the time tea and coffee and cookies and not serving me cakes. We'll bail out the first opportunity. Trust me, I have witnessed that in my 32 years of ministry. And I'm sure you too have witnessed. Because by human nature, when we come into a church, or for that matter, no matter where we go, there's only one question we ask. Any wild guess. What's in it for me? Isn't it? What's in it for me? And when that is not met, you bail out. Boom, you're gone. Another metaphor that we saw, the church is the body of Christ. Picture this, for example. If I reach out with arms to take a glass of water and my fingers refuse to grab it, or if I want to take some medications and my mouth is not willing to open, you know where I'm going with all this? Only when you're committed to the body that you learn to function as a whole. Christians who are not committed to other Christians will not be able to effectively serve the Lord. They, don't, they won't learn to grow in love for each other. Apostle John warned this. Listen to these words. If someone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is what? A liar. Are there any liars here? Don't put your hands up. I don't know. And he says, for the one who does not love his brother whom he has seen... 
turn around and look at the people seated next to you. These are the brothers and sisters. Cannot love God whom he has not seen. Very powerful statement, isn't it? Very powerful. So the reason why you should join the local church, I gave you two reasons. Number one is because Christ loves the church and gave himself for her. Second is because the church is where you learn to practically love, love God and love us. And the third reason is that because you need to place yourself under spiritual shepherds who care for you and will give an account for your soul. One theologian says beautifully, he says, church is not a club or a voluntary organization. It's not a charitable body. It may be viewed as a charitable body by the government, but church is not meant to be a charitable body. Church is not a group of people like to gather together and talk about theological stuff. Church is not a service provider where the customer is always right. This theologian argues that the church, that Jesus is the sovereign king over his church. Christians don't join churches. They submit them to it. Powerful statement, isn't it? You don't join a church. You submit to it. You submit to it. That's what commitment is. That's what membership is. We, earlier we saw, I, I, I showed you this passage in Hebrews 13, obey those who rule over you and be submissive, for they watch out for your souls, and as those who must give account, let them do so with joy and not with grief, for that would be unprofitable. Scripture commands Christians to submit to their spiritual leaders as those who will give an account for their souls. Church, I tell my elders, every person walking through the two doors right there, their spiritual welfare, God is going to hold us accountable to. Because they came in here. We have a responsibility to nurture and to care for them. So to submit to the spiritual leaders as those who will give an accountability, sorry, uh, account for their souls, there must be accountability. There must be transparency. There must be humility. For that, you must have a teachable spirit. So in order to grow in holiness, you must submit to the shepherds of the church and you must give heed to the counsel. You must obey the commands of the Lord, but... Here's my but here. You do as the Bereans did. Just because the pastor is telling you, just because the elders are telling you, you don't have to submit if it is in contradiction to the scriptures. Do as the Bereans did. Test it against the word. Check with the scriptures and comply. You may not like the counsel, but you still comply. I grew up in the, in the old uh, style of parenting. My dad always says, comply and then complain. In other words, do it. We talk about it later. I, I didn't like it when he was telling me that, but I realized that's what God is telling us. The scripture says, do it, just do it, comply. Complain later. Why, if not, it would be unprofitable for you. That's why. So the reasons why you join the local church, the first one is because Christ loves the church uh, and gave himself. Second one is church is where you learn practically to love. Third is because you need to place yourself under spiritual leadership. And the fourth one is because it means that Jesus ordained to fulfill his great commission through the church. While missions organizations are helpful in the cause, what do the missions organizations do? They establish local churches. As you know, we are heavily into missions. And tomorrow we are heading out to the mission field, to the local church that we established. Because it is through the local church that God's purpose is being fulfilled. The Great Commission is being fulfilled. 
they're committed to planting local churches and train leaders to preach the word and make disciples. That's the fourth reason why you should join the church. And the, and the fifth reason that why you should join the church is that so that you have a specific place to serve the Lord. Hear me out, please. Some have the idea of just attending a local church is to get spiritual food. Some of you guys are obese. You have been fed too much. I'm not talking about the food that you eat on that side. I'm talking about the food that you receive from this platform. What are you doing about that? It's the same manner we go to a restaurant for a meal. This concept is foreign to the New Testament churches. God has given us spiritual gift. And you are to use it. Now listen to this. Peter says this very clearly. As each one has received a special gift. Let me pause there. When you come and accept Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, what happens? The Holy Spirit is deposited in you. And who gives you the gifts is the Holy Spirit. So every believer is given a gift. Everyone. Now, Peter says, as each one has received a special gift, he's talking about the believers, employ it. Employ it. The word is employ it. And serving one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. So stewardship means that each believer will give an account to the master who entrusted the stewardship to him or to her. Church, I want every one of you to use your talents for the glory of the Lord. You know the parable of the talents in the Bible? You find it in the Matthew 25. In that we see that it was the servant who was given one talent. I don't know whether he was too lazy. I don't know whether he was so frightened about exploring it. But he buried it and gave it back to the master without any gain. Remember that? You gave me one one, one loony, and here it is, safe and sound. What did the master do? He reprimanded him in the harshest terms. The danger for the one-talent person is that if you think that I can't do much for the Lord because I'm not a pastor, I'm not an elder, it's like burying your talents. Burying your talents. You need to figure out everyone can serve how God wants you to serve. Do it for Him in a particular local church where you are committed. So we looked at the biblical concept of membership. We said, yes, it is a biblical concept. Then we looked at the five reasons why you should join the local church. And the next third question I want to ask is, what does church membership entail? So what are the responsibilities of church membership? Here is a theologian, he puts it so beautifully. His name is Jonathan Lehman. Got it from the nine marks. He says, church membership is a formal relationship between a church and a Christian characterized by the church's affirmation and oversight of a Christian's discipleship and the Christian's submission to living out his or her discipleship in the care of the church. Very beautifully presented. There can be many responsibilities of church membership, but I just want to touch on only six very briefly. The first responsibility for a, for a church is to seek to live by church's covenant. If you are a member of a local church, you have to seek to live by the church's covenant. We do have a list of church covenant, and you agree to seek and to live in accordance with that. Now, this is seen in the, in the membership forms, and I suggest you read it over from time to time. None of us can comply perfectly, but that should be our aim. That should be our aim. So that's the first responsibility of a member. The second responsibility of the member is to participate regularly in the church's gatherings for worship, teaching, and fellowship. It's like following a program at the university. You have registered for a course. When you don't have regular attendance, the lecturer or the professor is not going to pass you, isn't it? You've got to attend. That's when he knows that you belong to that group. 
Regular attendance is an absolute must, and we see this again from the Hebrew writer, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. It's actually a warning. It's not an exhortation, it's a warning. Come together, the day is approaching soon. As a member is seen in the active participation of the programs of the church, I, we don't have to bribe a member to come for a prayer meeting. We don't have to bribe somebody to come for a Bible study. We don't have to bribe somebody to come to church. Let's say you stay at home, you have a cardiac arrest. What do you do? You're going to say, somebody come and take me to the hospital. You're going to call 911. That desperation, that urgency must be there to come to the church. And as you walk through the two doors into the house of God, you know what? We, we should, there should be an enthusiasm. There should be an excitement. We can sing a chorus, I will enter his goats with thanksgiving in my heart. But some of you walk here by, oh my goodness, I'm in the church, I don't know what's going to happen today. We must be excited. We must be excited. And we must excitedly participate in that. Church, we are interacting with the Heavenly Father. It's the house of God. Thirdly, the responsibility is a commitment. It's a commitment. The word is commitment. To believe in and uphold church's doctrine and practices, including church discipline whenever necessary. I want you to understand it's important that you read through the, the, the beliefs of the church and you are going to adhere and you are going to guard those doctrines. We might have different thoughts about different matters. That's okay. But there is a guideline that you have and you are adhering to that. Again, as I earlier said, you comply. You are not questioning. If you have questions, you need to talk to the elders and the pastors and get it clarified. Because none of those statements that you see in the, in, in the beliefs is taken just off the, off the hat. They were very prayerfully and carefully, they are, they are formulated. And they are all backed up by scriptures. So as a committed member, you have to guard and protect the beliefs of the church. Number four, you have to engage in the ministry of reconciliation. You know, Apostle Paul writes and he said, the job of the pastors is for the equipping of the saints for the work of the ministry. So who is doing the work of the ministry? It's you. It's you. Not the work of the pastors. The work of the pastors is to equip you. So there must be a commitment to be engaging in the ministry of reconciliation. The church will be only be healthy to the extent that every member is committed to using his or her gifts to reach the lost. And, and disciple the saved. Every member must be involved in serving, using your God-given gifts for His glory. There are no trivial, menial tasks in the church. Let's say you leave the church and you see some papers lying on the ground. Somebody is going to pick it up. If this is the house of God, when you leave, you are going to pick it up, isn't it? There's no menial task. If you see the washroom is not cleaned, you're not going to wait for someone to do it. This is the house of God. There are no menial tasks. Fifthly, if you are, your responsibility is to follow church's leadership as they seek to help you grow in Christ. I'm not talking about blind submission. I already mentioned this to you. Rather, it must be a willing sub submission to imperfect men. We are all imperfect men but we are seeking the Lord. But you have to submit. You mustn't use the pastors and the elders and the board as a, a source that is existing there for charitable purposes. They are there to strengthen you in the Lord. I think I mentioned that last time or time before that, 
when jonathan saw david he was trapped and he was so anxious and she was worried about saul coming after his life jonathan did not go there and said david come with me i'm going to hide you somewhere else that is charity but the scripture says he strengthened him in the lord that's the duty of the pastors and the elders strengthening you in the lord then when they strengthen you in the lord you seek the lord number 6 the responsibility is a commitment to help support the church with your finances as the lord prospers you churches are to support the work of the ministry nothing happens just like that isn't it so the work of the ministry it requires finances it requires funding and those and also you got to support those who work hard in preaching and teaching you have to support the missionaries so you got to have that commitment to give so now that leads me to the next question pastor is neat and dandy then why can't every tom dick and harry join the church why can't they do that because some churches would favor those who are wealthy over others for they know they would be contributing more some churches would favor those who hold prominent places in the community so that they too will be recognized so they will give open membership to one and all the consequences of meaningless membership please follow along carefully the church is making a big mistake because it gives the false assurance of salvation to multitudes when we accept bear with me when we accept everyone into membership when we don't maintain the integrity of the church roles when we fail to practice church discipline we are giving false assurance of salvation to unbelievers we are grooming a visible church that's what you're doing we are worried about having more numbers in the church but when the lord looks at it we can see all these numbers but he can see only the invisible church we contribute to this misunderstanding the second reason the consequences of meaningless membership is that it harms gospel witness when our members live in open disobedience to god's commands and have little involvement with other other fellow believers it greatly harms our denominations gospel witness imagine for a moment i can only pick my son if my son is living a rebellious sinful life outside and is serving in the church what does it speak of the church number 3 the consequences of meaningless membership is that it makes for some ugly business meetings because you see the church as a business entity imagine these unregenerate people are asked to make decisions on the spiritual matters of the church imagine that they can only look at it from a secular point of view the church will be run as a business body as a charitable body and this meaningless church membership can be seen in an ugly behavior in a church meeting and i stand as a pastor and i'm very proud to say to this day we never had any ugly meetings am i right brother in saying that there had always been unity and my prayer is that god will continue to do that till the lord calls us home or until he returns so that's the third reason and the fourth reason it hinders missionary efforts if we have the wrong people as members to reach out to grow to be effective in the community around the burden for the lost souls will not be there with them the growth for them is numerical and in dollars is church doing very well how many people are there 
Oh, how many people got baptized last Sunday? Oh, how much money do you have in the banks? How big a building that you own? How fancy is the sanctuary? How sophisticated is your system? This will be their focus. This will be their measuring criteria. You may say, all right, pastor, I get it. Then who and who are eligible to be members of the church? I'm going to the last point now. I'm glad you asked, even though you didn't openly ask that. That leads me to the last question here. Whom should the church accept into membership? Briefly, the church should accept all, come along very carefully, all whom Christ has accepted through salvation. Technically, ideally. We should accept all who give a credible testimony of salvation by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. We are affiliated with the fellowship of the Evangelical Baptist Churches of Canada. We are a Baptist church. There are stipulations as to who can be a member of the Baptist church. We need to adhere by this. So I know that we were at one time an interdenominational evangelical church. At that time, our requirement was that the person must be a professing Christian. What I will be stating is the position of our church today being in the family of the Fellowship Baptist. The entry requirement for a member of a Baptist church is more specific. So I just want you to come along and listen to this very carefully. So in order to join a local church, this applies to both KBC and SEF. I've spoken this with Pastor Dio. The first requirement to join a local church is that you must be a committed believer. You must be a professing believer. Only someone who credibly professes faith in Christ should be a member of a Christian church. In other words, no one who makes a credible profession of faith can become a member of a church. That leads to the second requirement. How, can, how do we know someone is an authentic Christian? How do you know that? So the second requirement, there must be evidence in their obedience to God's ordinances. God has commanded us to observe. They must have obeyed in the waters of baptism. I'm talking about the believer's baptism, the immersion baptism. So must have been baptized. Only those who have publicly identified with Christ in his church by obeying in the believer's baptism should be allowed to publicly identify with his church by membership. Thirdly, in order to join a local church, I'm talking about the Baptist church here, you must commit to a regular attendance. We spoke about that earlier. A church cannot oversee and affirm one, a person's profession of faith if they do not regularly attend. Without attendance, membership is meaningless. I told you that earlier. You know, when I was growing up in my, in my, um, in my high school, the subject I didn't like was the art class, you know, drawing. I didn't like at all. So I find every reason to skip out of the class. My mom was a teacher, so she doesn't know I'm skipping out, but I go home. But the teachers, they know teachers, they talk to each other. And he came to me one day, this, this, this art teacher, art master, he said, hey, you, you appear like the full moon to the classrooms. I didn't first understand. Once a month, I go to the class. <laughs> you know, sadly, there are Christians like that. I want to call them the full moon Christians. I don't know if you are one of them or not. Because trust me, I take attendance. I follow very carefully. And I call to see if you are here or not and the reasons. And I know there are some full moon Christians. I'm not looking at anybody. I'm only looking at Keith because I know he's here every day. <laughs> Fourthly, 
you can join a, the qualifications as someone who confesses the same faith as the church. And you adhere to church's doctrine and covenant. You cannot debate about the covenant. You cannot debate about the belief system that we have here. You should be able to affirm a church's statement of faith and church's covenant. Only someone who agrees with the church's statement believes and who intends to live a life marked by love for the members should be allowed to join in. There may be secondary doctrines that we, we, are, we have liberty to change. Now if you come and ask me, Pastor, what is the eschatological view of the church? Trust me, I am more worried about Christ coming in as opposed to when and how he's going to come in. You have your own views, I have my own views, that's okay with me, but Christ, when he comes, am I ready? That's what I'm worried about. Fifth one, the membership. This is absolutely important, that you, are, you must be willing to submit to the leadership of the church if you want to join a church. If a person is not willing to follow church's leaders, he or she will inevitably stir up division and strife. It's best for that person to join a church that he can obey. In summary, church, we asked five questions. I present the five questions here. Is this a biblical concept? And the answer is yes. Then I asked the question, is this actually necessary? And I said there are five or six reasons why it's necessary. Christ loves the church and gave himself. Church is where you learn to love God and love others. Church is where you are cared for by the shepherds. Church is the means Jesus ordained to fulfill his great commission. Church is the specific place to serve the Lord. Then I asked the question, what are the resp responsibilities of the ch church member? To seek to live by church's covenant, that's your responsibility. To participate regularly in the church's gathering. To believe in and uphold church's doctrine and practices, including church discipline. To engage in the ministry of reconciliation for the edifying of the body of Christ. To follow church's leadership as they seek to help you grow in Christ. To help support the church with your finances. Then I asked the question, why can't anyone and everybody, every time Tom, Dick and Harry be allowed to come into a membership? And I gave four reasons for that. Because it gives a false assurance of salvation. It harms our gospel witness. It makes for some ugly business meetings. It hinders missionary work. Then I asked the last question, then who can be members of the Baptist Church? What is the entry requirement? And I said, you must be a committed believer. And I said, you must have obeyed in the waters of baptism. And I said, you must be an active participant. You must adhere to church's doctrine and covenant. You must submit to church's leadership. Now, I just want to appeal to all of you here to preserve our distinctive as a Baptist church. We only require that for the sake of unity and harmony, members who hold different views on secondary and uh, doctrines and so on, I would rather uh, ask you not to cause it as a debatable issue within the body of Christ. And those who serve as elders, board members, and in the servant team, you must, I underline the word must, hold to the Baptist distinctives. Many churches are much narrower than this in that they will only accept into membership those who agree with the church on some secondary doctrines. Because SEF was at one time an interdenominational gathering and we are now affiliated with the Fellowship Baptist. We were not stringent then on the obedience of the waters of baptism as an entry requirement for membership in the past. As a result, I recognize that we do have some who have not obeyed in the waters of baptism but have received membership from seekers. Those who are already members of SCF will be grandfathered in. But however, we would encourage you to go through the teaching. Pray about it and comply with the teaching. But those who will be seeking membership now, 
We'll have to adhere to the commitment and the covenant as mentioned today. You know, at the end of the service, the, form, the membership forms are available here. Even though it says SEF membership, this applies to both the churches, KBC and, and SEF. I got permission from Pastor Dio as well. And I would want you to receive one of these things today. If you're already a member and if you meet all the criteria that I mentioned as appearing here, then you don't need to worry so much about it. But if you are not a member, or if you don't meet all these criteria, I would want you to take these forms. And I want you to fill them out. And KBC, please write and give it to Pastor Dio. And those from Seekers, please fill it out and, uh, and give, it to, give it to Brother Bruno. We'll be having baptism classes starting in the first week in February. I would encourage all who have not obeyed in the waters of baptism to enroll and follow the classes. Baptism is not something that can be done by force. It's done by conviction. Only by conviction. So I'm appealing to you, let the Spirit move. Let the Spirit convict you. Follow the classes. Go through the teaching. And then decide, pray about this and make a decision. Let the Holy Spirit bring about the conviction. Especially those who wish to serve, you must hold to the beliefs and covenant of the local church. One key subject I am not addressing today because of timing, which is church discipline. How do I take a stick and whack people? I'm just kidding. Why are you laughing now? Okay. The, so we will be talking about church discipline probably next time when I'm back. But today, can we just rededicate ourselves, please? I'm going to ask the worship team to come. They have selected a beautiful song. We are going to sing now a hymn. And I want us to, as we sing this, all hail the power. As we sing this, can you bring up the verse, please? As you sing this, I just want us to examine ourselves. Am I truly a member of the invisible church? When God sees, can he really see, see me? Today is the day. If you have not obeyed in the waters, of, if you have not committed your life to the Lord, today is the day. If you have committed your life to the Lord but resisting to obey in the waters of baptism, today is the day. Give your names to Brother Bruno and, or see one of the elders. We love to pray with you. We love to lead you through this so that we can become authentic members of this church.